All right, that was a blessing, amen, and praise God for the message of that song, and there's really a lot of truths on that song, and I'm just so privileged to be speaking God's Word this morning, because usually I'm, I'm preaching in the afternoon, and if you notice, I spoke last week, and I spoke again this Sunday. I think this never happened before, you know, to be able to speak in a row, but uh, I'm just really thankful to God for this um, privilege, and the reason is um, this is the only spot I can actually uh, preach uh, this month, because next Sunday, please do pray for me, I covet your prayers, I was invited uh, to speak at Sister Nelia's church in the morning, so I'll be there in the morning, so if you're asking yourself, I don't see Pastor Abel next Sunday, so that's the reason I'm going to be there, and they invited me to hold their service. What I meant by holding their service is I'm going to be the one playing the piano. I heard I'm also going to be the one who will lead their singing while playing the piano, and I will also be rendering a special number, <laughs> and I will also be speaking preaching God's message. So it's a lot, right? <laughs> okay, so please do pray for me. Um, well, when the pastor asked me to do that, um, you know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an opportunity and it is a privilege. So uh, I'm just really thankful for, you know, um, those opportunities that the Lord is giving me. And this is really a great privilege for me to be speaking in the morning. And I hope that we are all here and our hearts are ready and are minds are open to God's word. Amen. What a beautiful day really it is today. I hope not in the middle of the preaching someone's going to take the you know the the barbecue stuff and start grilling outside. It's really good outside, but after the church later on, after uh all the second the second service, I don't know if we're going to have something but I don't think we don't have like an original plan, but we can still come up with something, right? <laughs> all right, so before we get diverted to something else, um, shall we all rise, please? And we do only have one verse, a very short verse from the scripture, and it is coming from the book of John, John chapter 7, verse 5. And we'll read it all together. John chapter 7, verse 5, are you there? Ready now, begin. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this time once again that as a church family, as a body of Christ, we can be here in your house of worship to be encouraged, to be filled with your spiritual food once again. But I believe the most um, main thing, the the real essence why we are here is to glorify you, Lord, to worship you, to praise you. On this very first day of the week, you have given us six days, and this day you want us to just really devote it to, for you, commit it to you, Lord God. So we just want to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice as we worship you today. And it is a blessing that we can also be able to study thy word, be fed by your word. May your Holy Spirit uh, be the one to convict us. His power will be evident in our midst. Forgive us, Lord God, from the many sins that we have committed. We know that if there are iniquities and sins before us, it will hinder your blessings. So please, Lord God, we beg you, 
pardon us from all our sins and our shortcomings. And may you be glorified, be hide me behind thy cross. And may your name be lifted up this morning and this day and even in our lives. This is all we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may now be seated. Thank you so much for standing with me. The title of our message this morning is Reaching Out to Our Lost Loved Ones. Reaching out to our lost loved ones. And Pastor Sam mentioned about our emphasis for this month um, is about evangelism. And actually, we're going to be hearing a lot of messages about, you know, how to share our faith, about the importance of sharing the gospel um, to all the worlds and to all the people that we meet in our lives. But for this morning, I want to narrow it down. Yes, we believe that God so loved the world, God loves the whole world. But sometimes we focus more on the outside, but God also wants us to go to our Judea first, right? To our core first, to our inner family first. And I believe that all of us here, we do have some families that are not saved yet. We do have some loved ones, and I hope that this message will be able to help us. But before we continue on, I believe that as a Christian also, as a child of God, what I mean by that is when you have your personal relationship with God, I, I hope that we, do ha have, uh, that we do feel that task and responsibility that once we are saved, that's not the end of it. Amen? That once we got saved, now we do have a task and a, um, an opportunity, a privilege and responsibility for us to be able to transfer, to be able to, you know, reach out to someone else, to be able to duplicate ourselves by sharing God's word to the lost people. As a child of God, that is one of our responsibilities. And may this message remind us that, yes, we do have that responsibility right at this moment. Amen? So, you know what? One of the greatest challenges of a believer is winning their lost family, members to the Lord. Do you agree with that? Yes, we do agree. That's one of the greatest challenges. That is one of the greatest, you know, um, thing that w things that we want to do in our lives, to win our lost family members to the Lord. You know, if you have this kind of testimony, you have been saved God has radically changed you and delivered you from a life of addictions and a horrible sin. I know that some of us here, we do have some dark past, right? We do have some really um, dark background, but the, the thank God, God brought us up out from that, you know, really ni not nice, not nice, you know, background in our life. Addictions and horrible sin, but we have experienced a new life full of joy, hope, and purpose once we have met the Lord Jesus Christ. And our entire worldview has changed. You know, we have been changed. Everything has changed. But one thing that hasn't changed is our family, that they don't believe us. They don't believe Jesus yet. You know, they are skeptical. They are doubtful. Sometimes they mock us right? They, they, sometimes they make fun of us. Oh, you're going to church again. It's like nothing is happening. Nothing's changed. You know, they're skeptical. They accepted you better when you were a drunk and they had to bail you out of jail every six months. They liked you better when you borrowed or stole money from them to support your habit. 
They enjoyed your company more when you were cussing them out and breaking their stuff. They treat you worse now than they did when you made their life miserable and your sinful lifestyle. Now, since you are saved and you know your situation before God, and now you also see their real situation before God, now you have a burden, right? Now we have a burden to reach them and see God change their life like he did to our lives. You know, we weep over them. We pray for them. We try to invite them to church. But sadly, all to no avail. You know, we try to do our best to live right and be that light and that salt that Jesus talked about in Matthew. You walk the tightrope of knowing if you should say something or when you should say something and knowing how to say it. You know, sometimes it's hard, a very easy task, you know, just tell them, but you have to think of a lot of things of when, how. You know, you lie in bed rehearsing your next witnessing opportunity, what you will say and how you will say it. You know, you try to visualize their reaction and also their response. You try to predict, what's gonna, what are they going to say when I say this? You know, we try to do our best to figure everything out, the best approach for the next time that we will see them. And we think that we really should share with them what is on our hearts. You know, and that's my prayer this morning. May this message this morning help us as we study God's word. First of all, let me start that. If you, are, if you do feel like that, let me tell you that you are not alone. Amen? You are not alone. A lot, a lot of us here, we do have that kind of burden that we want our fellow family, our brothers and sisters, you know, our mother, our fathers, the whole family to be joining with us in heaven, you know, to have an eternal life, to have this beautiful relationship we have with God. This has been the cross and the burden of many of God's people have had to bear for thousands of years. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, to 38, Jesus clearly taught that there would be division in the households of his followers. In uh, Matthew 10, 34 uh, to 38, the Bible says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. This verse is just saying that, yes, the love of God is more important, but then when we followed God, when we, try, when we um, started to, you know, walk in our faith and try to be a nice person because God wants us to do it, you know, there are things that is sometimes is not taking place. You know, sometimes we do have a lot of divisions going on in our lives. Job 19, 13 to 15, also the Bible says, He that um, he hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house, and my maids count me for a stranger, I am 
an alien or like a stranger. It seems like they don't know me anymore. You know, the, the friends that we used to, you know, hang out with now that we are changed and we are changed for the better, now it seems like they don't know us. They don't want to be with us. It's like we are a stranger to them. That's what happened when we became a Christian. But let me tell you three things this morning. Amen? We'll dive into our... starting to get really hot, aren't you? Are you? <laughs> I'm starting to sweat. Okay, so can we do something about the temperature? <laughs> All right, so the first one is the history of lost loved ones. Just three main things, the history the hurt, and the hope. Okay, the first one is the history of lost loved ones. I'm going to give you three illustrations from the Bible. Okay, first is we have Abel and Cain. That's me. Amen? Abel and Cain. It is the first home in the Bible that was torn apart by differences over God and his will. We know that Abel, uh, the Lord asked them to offer something, and Abel trusted God, and he worshipped him in spirit and in truth. And we know that Cain brought his insufficient and unbiblical works to God. So what happened? God accepted Abel because he did it right and rejected Cain. And because of this, what happened? The, the mass murder happened. All right? He killed one-fourth population of the world. That's why Cain is called the, the worst kind of, you know, killer, because he killed the one-fourth population of the world. Because of this, Cain killed his brother. And Cain, as a result, became the poster child of four false religion. In Hebrews 11:4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. And let's jump to 1 John 3:12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. And in Jude 1, verse 11, the Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. So imagine that. The very first family in this world, the first home, the first set of siblings on this planet. You know, parents don't wonder why your kids are always fighting with each other because they think that's just natural, right? Who doesn't have here like you have a lot of children, but they just, you know, harmoniously love each other all the time and they're always nice to each other. That's like so impossible, right? They always fight, you know? Even the first family, you know, they were torn apart by one's love for God and the other's rejection of God. From that time, homes and families have been plagued with hatred and rejection over faith in God. So we see Abel and Cain. So another illustration here is another family feud. Look at Jacob and Esau. Actually, my other brother's name is Jacob. 
<laughs> and it was funny when we were little because we, um, he was the youngest and I'm second to the youngest. Of course, all our brothers are already in college. They were already gone. So basically, there's just the two of us in the house with my parents. And guess what? We always fight. <laughs> really to the point that I'm really so upset. I'm so angry at him. I can say this because he's not here. <laughs> I hope he's not listening online. <laughs> But I believe later on he's going to watch. But, you know, there came a point because I was so mad because, you know, sometimes he would wear my, my stuff. Sometimes, you know, our cabinet, we only share one room with each other and we also share a cabinet. And I try to be organized with my clothes, but then he would like grab his, my clothes and wear them and I'm looking for it and it's gone. And when I look at him, he's already wearing it. So, you know, those little things. And because I was really so upset, I even came to a point that I want to grab a knife. <laughs> I'm becoming the king, right? <laughs> really, because I'm really so mad at him. You know, but you know what? Right now, uh, we love each other. Amen? And I'm the one supporting him. <laughs> My burden has never ended. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We love you, Mom. <laughs> I love you, brother. But yes, Jacob and Esau. The Bible says that Esau despised his birthright in Genesis 25, 34. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Now, we have to see something here. It's not just an ordinary birthright because what happened here, you know, he was very hungry and Jacob was just so wise. Oh, eat this and give me your birthright and blessing. That's what happened. This was more than a family legacy or inheritance. This was an outright rejection of the spiritual implications and blessings associated with it. So he was like, he sold his birthright. But Esau, you have to think that that is not just a simple birthright or just an inheritance, but it is a spirit. There's a spiritual implication to that and blessings, but still, because he succumbed to his, you know, physical need, fleshly need, Esau chose temporal and carnal things over eternal and spiritual things. I believe there's an implication to this for us. Amen? Because sometimes for us Christians, there are some times in our lives that we rather choose those temporary things and sacrifice the spiritual things. As a result, God accepted Jacob and rejected Esau. So what happened? Esau was the one who rejected God first. Because we, th we always think sometimes, oh, Esau should be the, you know, the father of the many nations because he was the oldest one. But let us remember that he was the one who rejected God's first blessing. So as a result, God accepted Jacob and rejected Esau, and Esau rejected God first, so God rejected Esau. In Romans 9, verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So Cain became the poster child for false religion. Esau now became the example of a fleshly rejection. So we now go to our third example. First is Abel and Cain, Jacob and Esau, and now we see Joseph and his brethren. Amen. I can see, I can hear now the AC. Amen. <laughs> All right. Joseph and his brethren. One of the most heartbreaking examples of unbelieving family is the story of Jacob. I mean, Joseph. 
Joseph had a heart for God and walked with God, but his brothers were evil. We can see that in Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. We know that God blessed Joseph with dreams. And as a result, his brothers hated him even more for telling it. Instead of like rejoice, oh, that was really a nice dream. We, we, we're so happy for you. We rejoice with you. But no, the reaction of the brothers, you know, their hatred became even more. They hated him so bad that they plotted to kill him. Oh, I started to realize that was me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, they, they hated him so much. Imagine killing your baby brother over his dreams. Cain became a, the poster child for false religion. Esau became the poster child for false uh, fleshly rejection. Joseph's brothers were known for their fears, revenge. You know, we could preach all day about story after story in the Bible, unsaved family members, family members that rejected God, rejected those whom God had touched, blessed, spoken to, revealed himself to. I'm going to tell you more uh, um, in the Old Testament. We have Aaron's two sons. I don't know if you know them. Nadab and Abihu, they were Levite priests that God destroyed because they offered up strange fire. And there's Korah, who was also a Levite, just like Moses. Yet he conspired against Moses, and God opened up a pit and swallowed him whole. And we have Eli's two sons. Hophni and Phinehas. They were priests in the house of God. So see, people, these are religious people. Yet, the Bible is clear that they were lost. We have to be careful. Amen? We could be doing the same thing as others are doing, but we have to check our hearts. And only us would know that, and God knows. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Those are the Old Testament examples. Now we get to the New Testament and we discover one of the most perplexing illustrations of all lost loved ones. And I'm speaking about the brothers of Jesus Christ. Did not believe on him. And that is our text this morning. In John chapter 7, verse 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. And that brings us to our second point this morning. What was the first one? The history of lost loved ones. Now the hurt. The hurt of lost loved ones. You know, if you are here today and you are the only one that is saved in your family, I know that some, sometimes it is really hurtful. You know, it is painful and sometimes even lonesome, right? Um, you know, it's always a blessing to see the whole family going to church on Sunday, right? The whole family worship God, worshiping God together. Uh, the whole family serving God together. But uh, sometimes it's hard also, like the whole family, uh, I don't know the scenario in your homes, because sometimes, usually, the Sunday morning is the most chaotic day of the week, right? Because we have to go to church all together, we have to get ready at the same time, you know, and sometimes the spirit is uh, being infiltrated by our enemy, 
you know, that we want to have a good spirit, but it seems like what we want to happen is not happening. You know, so, some of the family members, they woke up so late because they stayed up so late Saturday night. You know, Saturday night, you announce, you tell them, we have to be early at church. We have Sunday school at 9.30. You have to sleep by 10 o'clock. But what happens? You know, everyone is waking up so late on Saturday night, right? And then the next morning, it's already 9 o'clock, and they're still snoring. <sighs> And then, I don't know who's, who's the one waking people up, maybe the parents, the father or the mother. Hey, it's time to go. And then every, everyone is on a hurry. Take the shower, eat breakfast. And then the moment you get in the car, oh, you forgot something. And you're already, you know, not in the right spirit because of all the pressures and all the things going on. And then the moment you step into the church, there's someone saying hi. You, we give them a big smile. <laughs> hi. <laughs> as if everything was okay, right? But the truth is, sometimes it is not, all right? But it's still a beautiful picture for a whole family to be going to church on Sunday, worshiping God together. It is always a beautiful picture. And I believe that some of us here who have been longing for, you know, praying that their fellow family members would be able to join them also in the church, you know, that's why sometimes it's really hurting. It's really painful and it's lonesome. You know, by this point, there was no doubt who Jesus really was. You know, his earthly ministry had already begun, and he had performed numerous miracles at this point of time. When you take into consideration the number of divine confirmations, all the miracles that God performed during that time that had occurred at this point, it is mind-boggling that the very brothers of Jesus had not yet believed in him. Imagine that. They lived with him for 30 years, and after 30 years, the Lord Jesus Christ started his ministry performing miracles, you know, teaching those really heavenly teachings, and a lot of people are getting saved but at this point of time, how come his very brothers are still not believing him? You know, the psalmist David wrote a messianic psalm about this strange relationship. In Psalms 69, verse 8, the Bible says, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. They did not believe Jesus in spite of, we have three subpoints under here, they did not believe in Jesus in spite of his abnormal childhood. Uh, Jesus, forgive me for the word abnormal. But yes, his childhood was kind of abnormal. right? Can you imagine living with Jesus as a child? You have a brother, and it is Jesus who is perfect, holy, doesn't make any mistakes. You know, he's always right, and we're always wrong. right? Imagine that. Okay, someone who doesn't make mistakes. His brother saw him for 30 years before he ever started his earthly ministry. He was perfect, without sin, and not one single flaw, no fault, no failure. Imagine that. How could they not believe after 30 years of living a perfect life before them? No doubt they knew who he was. Yes, they know that he is the Messiah, that Joseph was not his real father that the real Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the Heavenly Father, the Creator, and has to remind them 
When he was 12 years old, remember at the temple, you know, he was left there in Luke chapter 1, verse 48 and 49. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Because he was left there, they traveled back, and Christ was still in the temple teaching, and they were so worried that they looked for him. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must do about my father's business? It's like reminding Joseph and Mary, Hey, you're not my real parents. My real, par my, my real father is the Heavenly Father. So he has an abnormal childhood. His, his, his astounding confirmations. They did not believe in Jesus in spite of these things. We know John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was his cousin, and he knew who Jesus was. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had witnessed supernatural, divine confirmations at the baptism of Jesus. He had seen the dove come down. He had heard the audible voice of God the Heavenly Father. And actually at that moment, it was the perfect scene of having the whole Trinity present. You know, all together, the Son, the Dove, the Holy Spirit, and the voice of the Heavenly Father. John declared that he saw and bare record that this is the Son of God. And what are the, what are the astounding confirmations? What are the miracles he performed? Jesus turned the water into wine. That was his first miracle. He performed many miracles in the book of John. He healed the nobleman's son. He healed the impotent man. He fed how many? 5,000 men. He even walked on the water. They still did not believe Jesus. And they still did not believe Jesus in spite of his abundant converts. A lot of people got saved. I have so many lists here. We have Nathaniel, the disciples, many in the book of John chapter 2, the woman at the well, many of the Samaritans, and many more in John chapter 4. The Galileans received him. The nobleman and his whole house accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You think you are hurting because your family won't believe you and receive Jesus. Imagine how Jesus felt with all these people getting saved, all these miracle and divine confirmations, and still his brethren did not believe in him. And I'd like us to pause for a little moment at that time. If we're going to put our shoes in the shoe of our Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of things happened. He performed the miracle. Some evidences and proofs that he really is the Messiah. He was able to witness to a lot of people, but then his very brothers and brethren did not believe him yet. Did they think he was a fake? Did they think he was a phony? What must it have felt like for them to reject him? But you know, it doesn't end there. Amen? Because we have learned the history, the hurt, and the last point this morning is the hope. The hope for lost loved ones. Amen? The truth is, you know, there's not a one of us in here that doesn't have lost family members. I believe everyone, every one of us, all of us. Some of you, maybe you are the only saved person in your whole family. 
I'm sure you are burdened for them to be saved. Amen? But you're trying to convince them, you're trying to share the word of God to them, but it seems that they are not interested, they are not convinced. You know, if you have lost family members, I'm going to share with you three specific things that you can do to win them. Three specific things. Number one, first of all, let us be patient, persistent. Let us be persistent in our compassion. John chapter 1, verse 40 to 42, the Bible says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, or Peter, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. You know, we know that Peter was tremendously used by God, but without the persistency of Andrew, his brother, bringing him to Jesus, you know, Peter won't be what we know him right now. So don't stop witnessing to them. Amen? Don't stop witnessing to them, but not to the point that you're already annoying them early in the morning. Oh, you, you have to accept Jesus Christ when you're eating lunch. Hey, Christ is the way. Not to the point that you're so annoying. Amen? Take the right opportunity. And I know that God will give us the right opportunity for them to hear the gospel. But let us not stop sowing the seed. Amen? Don't stop watering the seed. Don't stop warning them. Don't stop loving them. Don't stop believing. That sounds like a song. Huh? Don't stop hoping. Amen? Let us be persistent in our compassion. Let us be pure in our conversation. What is this conversation? Our walk of life, our testimony. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. The Bible says, Likewise, Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. By the testimony of the wives, the husband can be saved, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So you may not see it now, but your changed life is having an effect. So let us not compromise, don't compromise, don't quit, don't stop living right, and don't stop fearing God, don't stop worshiping God, because our family is watching, and let us not be discouraged, amen? If a pure, God-fearing conversation will work on, a, on an unsaved husband, it will work on the rest of our family, amen? Be persistent in our compassion, be pure in our conversation, our walk of life, our testimony, and lastly is be prayerful. Be prayerful in our concern. Amen? There is always a power in prayer, and let us not be weary in well-doing. And that well-doing there I'm talking about is praying. Colossians 4.3, Withal praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20, Praying always with all prayer 
and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So let us not stop getting a hold of God's throne and God's grace. Let us not stop getting on our knees, praying for them. As we conclude, let me tell you there really is hope. You know, eventually at some point, the brothers of Jesus Christ believed. Amen? Some believe it was only after the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, they were in the upper room in Acts chapter 1 along with his mother, and the Bible says an evidence that they really believed. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Amen? And one of his brethren actually is James, and we know James. James became an apostle and one of the pillars of the church of Jerusalem. In Galatians 1, 18 to 19, the Bible says, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. What a testimony. He also wrote the book of James in the New Testament. A man that was hard to win, hard to convince, finally got saved. Amen? If Jesus did not see his own brethren saved during his earthly ministry, you know, let us not be discouraged also. Let us keep praying. Let us keep living right. Let us keep witnessing and sowing the seed. I'd like to close in this statement. God is able to help you win your lost loved ones. Amen. Amen. We have a song in our hymn, He is able. That's not me again, okay? He's able, He is able. I know He is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. If he's able to carry us through, I believe that he is also able to answer our prayers and he is also able to save our loved ones. If we will only keep our faith in him, if we will do our part also, if we will keep on and keeping on. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that once again we have been encouraged through your word with all the things that we have learned about some characters in the Bible, how even the Lord Jesus Christ experienced it himself. I know that he's really rejoicing after he resurrected and ascended and witnessed, maybe not during his earthly ministry while he was on flesh here on earth, but I believe he still was able to witness and see 
the fruit of all his labor that there came a point in the life of his brothers that they were able to believe in Jesus and Lord that is also our prayer this morning Lord help us not to be satisfied that we are the only ones saved and getting to heaven that we are the only ones enjoying the spiritual blessings Lord I know that there are some of us here that our hearts are so heavy because we know that this is also their prayer for their family members to be safe. Lord, you are a God of miracle. And I pray that you continue to give us boldness, courage, discernment. Give us the words to say. Give us the chance and opportunity, the right opportunity. And when that time comes, give us the boldness to just really grab that opportunity. While every head bowed and eyes closed, as we continue in prayer, let me call Pastor Sam.